Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome into the 615 Sessions podcast on this Thursday, the final week of the regular season for the Tennessee Titans, mercifully, and to celebrate that season's end is Corey Curtis of WKRN News 2, the best hairdo in all of Nashville sports media. Always a pleasure. Nothing says a losing season like having me around. Thanks, Buck. Oh, brother. I mean, I, there's there's nothing that anybody can do to escape this stink. It wouldn't matter if I put you on here. It wouldn't matter if I put Kaharski on here. It wouldn't matter if I put damn Jeff Fisher on this podcast. This this is a five-win football team. And frankly, you know, they're lucky to, to have five wins the way that they've been playing as of late. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you've got seven losses in one-score games. You, you can easily have a Kevin Byard scoop and score against the Saints for another victory. Um, you know, we can we can we can pick out other games that they could have should have won. I mean, but the bottom line is they're not good enough. Um, and, you know, the, the, what I always tell people is the same thing. You know, they're, they're not that many players away from being decent and being competitive. You know, it's not like you've got the Ken Wisenhunt situation here where you've just got a clown show running things and you're, there's no hope in, until that gets blown out and changed. You know, I, I think we all think Mike Rabel's a pretty good coach. Um, they just have to make some serious decisions on the offensive line and in the secondary and how they're going to get better at both of those things because until they are, they're not going to win a lot of games. No, and that's it, for, at risk of being redundant and not having the same conversation over and over and over yeah, again. It's, it's that um, it, it really is that simple. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we're, we're getting to the end of this. We'll see how they fare against the Jags. Who's to say? I mean... You have a pretty good feeling of how that game is going to go. The Lawrence's status uh, being questionable as we sit here doing the podcast on a Thursday does at least give them some kind of margin. They're not the Carolina Panthers, uh, though they might be damn close in the draft order at the end of this year. Although they won't be because Carolina doesn't even have their first round pick. So, Corey, it could always be worse. Uh, Oh, yeah. I've lived through worse. (laughs) I've lived through five wins in two years. Not five wins in one year. Well, so let's let's talk about it within that context because, <laughs> like that, and, and there's no more players from those uh, terrible Titans teams that are left. Brett Kern and Lawan, I think, were the last vestiges of that group. Um, and so I got here my first year in Nashville, but not working as a Titans reporter was Mariota's rookie year. So that was 15. That was three and 13. That was the worst team in the league. That year, and then the following was John Robinson's first year and Mike Malarkey's first year uh, operating this thing. How much, how much, how comparative or comparable is the product now than it was in 14 and 15? Because those are by far and away the worst seasons that the Titans have had in recent memory and, and close to the worst seasons that they've had in franchise history. This seems unwatchable, but I don't know how far off it is from those teams. I, know it, it, I mean, look, it's pretty bad right now. Um, but we're also used to watching this team win and achieve at a high level, okay? And so, you know, we're, we're skewed from that way. We're not used to seeing this. So it's bad. It looks even worse. I think it's also 
looks worse because it's a repeat of the same problem. All right. The offensive line's not very good. When Ken Wisenhunt was running the team, the whole thing was a disaster. I mean, offense, defense. I mean, it was it, it was it was a nightmare to watch, and you had no hope that they were gonna win at all. At all. There no belief. I mean, when he turned the thing over to Zach Mettenberger, it was just like, what what is happening here? What is happening here? And then they brought in Marcus, and Marcus gave you some vestiges of hope. But you also saw a head coach who was trying to get him killed. And that was – and look, I don't think Mike Vrabel's trying to get anybody killed. He's trying to fix the offensive line. He just doesn't have a big enough Band-Aid to fix it with. I think I saw a stat the other day that they offer help the second most to their tackles in the league. So it's not like they're not trying to help these guys out. There's just – sometimes there's no helping people. And so I, I don't think it's as, it's as hopeless um, – as that was, and that was, that was really, I, I was really immersed in that situation because I was the, I was the host of the Ken Wisenhunt show at the time. Oh my God. And, and so I'd have to talk about each one of those losses and talk about, you know, where they were headed. And that was, that was, that was tough. Yeah, we, we're talking about all this now, but I have a belief in, in Mike Grable if, if they can make the right changes. So, and, and again, you know, You've got you've got Derrick Henry, you know. You've got Harold Landry. You've got Tanika Autry. I mean, the Titans are not without players. Do they need more players? Yeah. Do they need more depth? Yeah. But they're not without talent. No, and I, I think that you know if if one or two positions of critical need carries their weight this year, then we're having a drastically different discussion. That all almost on every front that they needed progress from existing guys on the roster or at a critical free agent spot that they needed to bring in. They had significant failure and uh, people in the, in the comments are bringing up, you know, the Dillard signing killed the 2023 mm -hmm. Titans chances. If there's even remotely, you know, sub even like even suboptimal play from the left tackle, <laughs> you're probably having a different discussion, whether that's Duncan or Dillard and both, you know, Duncan is, I don't know how fair a judgment that is on a six-round rookie versus yeah, he's the six-rounder. He's he's in a spot he's not supposed to be in. Well, I mean, and that, versus the pedigree of somebody like Dillard, who okay, we had the book on him coming out of Philadelphia. It seems like uh, a lot of people had the book on him. Apparently, they didn't have the book on him, Buck, because they signed him and gave him ten million dollars. I really have to question how much research went into that signing, because let let's say it for what it is. He is soft, right? He is not a combative football player. He's a reactive athlete. He's not a combatant in a game that requires you to be a combatant. He's antithetical to what I know Mike Vrabel's Tennessee Titans are supposed to be, which makes it even more bizarre because I yes. know Mike was in on that signing. Yeah, and again, it's it's just like with Vic Beasley and Isaiah Wilson. And, you know, how many times did we hear how much do guys love ball? Andre Dillard's a perfectly nice guy. If you see Andre Dillard with his shirt off, there's no way you would think he is soft. I mean, the guy is a beast. I mean, physically, he is a beast. But he's just not mentally built for football. And th that's okay. That doesn't make him a bad person. It just makes it a bad signing. And the fact that you couldn't go to Philadelphia and talk to a few people and find that out before you gave him $10 million a year, it's a massive failure. They they have to look in the mirror on that one. 
and say we massively failed. Look, there are successes always, and they're to be congratulated for successes. But when you have a clear swing and a miss that you could have avoided, then then it's a massive failure that you got to say we we can't let this happen again. Well, and and to your point, they do dealings with Philadelphia all the time, even under this administration. So the idea that either they didn't do the due diligence or that they had the hubris to say, no, 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 but we, we, we got it, which is, is yeah. more likely. But uh, you can it, fix skill set. You can't fix what's in here. You can't fix competitive toughness and and everything. Even, even talking to Greg Cosell, who does these guys coming out of college, the discussion around him was a general lack of competitive toughness. And, wow. you know, you, you double down on things like giving, uh, giving George Fant the, uh, the league minimum contract in something that he was not, uh, not interested in because he thought he was a good enough right tackle to beat out MPF. Turns out he was probably right. Cause Chris Hubbard did it just as easily. Now they got away with that on a veteran minimum contract, but still he got hurt. So like, this is, this is such a, a compounding situation. Now, before we get into the same old, same old, because that's what it feels like we're, date, we're in danger of going down the road of. Um, Mike Vrabel, in, in the absence of anything interesting to talk about with the actual football team, Mike Vrabel's job status has come into uh, speculation a lot and even more so in the last week since this Houston Texans embarrassment. I think a little bit is spurred on by a clip that I'm going to play from the audience from his Tuesday press conference of an exchange with our dear friend and colleague, Gentry Estes. Um, I just want to remind people that the 615 Sessions podcast, of which Corey Curtis is appearing on graciously today, is made possible by Two Rivers Ford, powered by Ford, driven by people, quality American-made Ford vehicles, and award-winning customer service, Two Rivers Ford, in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. Here's Mike Vrabel when asked why it's important to win. Expand on Because it sucks to lose, Gentry. Uh, Trey, ever need to show you anything? Uh, Did you have another thought, or no? I'm just curious. Why? Well, it uh, it fucking sucks. Losing. Mm-hmm. Awful. That's why I want to win. Because you don't sleep. You want to win for the players that bust their tail. That's it. Soundbite of the year. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. So, okay, let's start there. All right. He's obviously nobody's happy at five and eleven. No, fair, fair to assume. Is the question a good question by Gentry? Because yep. I, I think that, I think that how it initially hit me, I was like, "What are you doing asking a head coach why it's important to win?" But without the context of. He's probably providing some kind of context to his audience that he's going to write about this later on why it is that Mike Vrabel is heading into week 18, hell-bent on winning a game when they ha- when they probably shouldn't. You know and I know that these guys put in way too much work and have way too much competitive juice in their body to mail one in, all right, and just say, well, we don't care if we're going to win. You know, we want the better draft pick. There isn't a man in that locker room that wants a better draft pick. Mike Vrabel doesn't want a better draft pick. If he wants a better draft pick, he's going to trade for one. Okay, he wants to win. That's that's what that's what gets these guys to their level. And so, yeah, I think it's a good question. Number one, because we want to win for a lot of reasons. All right. Well, that's not one reason. That's a lot of reasons. What are some of those reasons? You know, because it's all about letting people know how people tick. All right. Because his reasons may not be the same as someone else's. So I think it's a perfectly fine question. 
Um, and it obviously elicited a fantastic answer. And it helps you tell the story. So, I mean, you know, and I know we ask questions all the time that we know the answer to. But we need them to say it because I don't want to speak for Mike Vrabel. Because when I have to do that, then that's me having to kind of lead people along the way. And, and they may not believe you. All right. And I, I think when you're blatantly when you're blatantly honest with the fan base and the audience like that, I, I just think it's a win-win. I mean, you would hope that would be the answer. But when you see the passion and the fire behind that answer, that tells you more than anything. This season has sucked, and he has hated every second of it. And if you don't think he's going to put every ounce of energy he has in this offseason to fixing it, you're crazy. It goes beyond this Sunday. Which, which again, it goes beyond this Sunday because he's very much intending on on trying to turn this thing around, which yeah. goes, uh, which goes or runs counter to a lot of what we've seen out there in whether you want to call it the news cycle. I think that's a loose term at this point. With there's the no of, more loose cycle, yeah. I, you know, like it's and and listen, Corey, I, I'm I'm a part of like I'm a part of that problem, like the evolution, right? Uh, I, you're not supposed to be a reporter with a strong opinion and a sports talk show and all these different things. Times change, Buck. It's okay, right? But like you know, like those of us who lend lend themselves to being good at a lot of this stuff, like you and me and Kaharski and Rex Road. We're doing all of it because that's the way that you need to exist in today's marketplace. So I think there's that coupled with you know, people like Mike Lombardi, who are supposed to be connected in the world of football, who do have a degree of credibility mm -hmm. and who are fast and loose with it out there. Yeah. Talking about Mike Vrabel's contract situation. So all of this is asking the audience to be more discerning than they've ever been when the news cycle, quote unquote, has never been shittier. And, mm -hmm. and so now Mike Vrabel is a, a, uh, caught up in the middle of that where He's an interesting guy. He's got a quote out there that makes it seem like he's really pissed just generally about mm. everything's go everything that's going on beyond the reasons that he obviously should be pissed, coupled uh, coupled with the idea that New England is thirsty as all hell for this dude and mm. cannot keep his name out of their mouths, nor should they because they're getting ready to fire their coach mm. and they need to vet all possible options. He makes a ton of sense if you're New England. Yeah, I think that look. I think there's also a lot of people in New England who want him there. Sure, and, and they're going to push whatever buttons. But look, after the AJ Brown situation, I'm never going to say never to anything. All right, so I, I don't. While I don't think he's going anywhere, all right, I will fully believe it when he's back here when next season starts. Because you know, I I've, I I get asked in the station every day. You know, could Mike Vrabel? Could he if he just wants to go to New England? Can he go there? I'm like, no. He's under contract. He's, he's He'd have to be traded. And, you know, I don't know that the Titans have any interest in trading him. But can you create a situation that is so unattainable that you have to force it? I mean, A.J. Brown did, apparently. All right. Uh, other, other people have done it. And so then you ask yourself, is, is some faction from within St. Thomas Sports Park putting out some of this stuff to create controversy? It's possible. It's possible. I don't, it, and you know why it's possible? Because we don't have any names attached to any of these reports. And, and just to touch on what you're talking about, quite often, and I'm not sitting here pounding my chest on my journalistic training or your journalistic training. What was Mike Lombardi before he, he started his podcast? Was He's he an executive, NFL yeah, executive. Okay. So he, he doesn't go by the same standards that we do. So he doesn't mind going out and just saying something that 
he may have heard here and there because that's kind of, I guess, what you do in podcasting and stuff now. I can't say stuff that I can't back up. Sometimes I don't say it if I can't back it up with two sources, even though I know it's true, just because I can't do it. I, I, I want to, but I can't. And so and I think sometimes when people just do podcasts or whatever, I don't know if they know or if they care the controversy or the damage that they can create. Um, and maybe they want it because it gets more people on their podcast. You wouldn't and happen I, to be talking about any NFL quarterback uh, in the news cycle here recently. Oh, would you? Well, I mean, you could, I mean, that's not his show, but it's his popular. But I mean, look, you look, there are whole brands, some of which started in Nashville built on that type of craziness. Sure. Sure. Corey Curtis of WKRN News 2 is hanging out with us, us here on the 615 Sessions podcast. So uh, with that, you know, Mike Vrabel, I, I thought, was given the opportunity to respond to a lot of this stuff. I thought the question was well positioned by Terry McCormick. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, Terry asks him if he feels like he has to address this stuff with the players because it's everywhere and nobody, like, I don't know. I don't care how many times they lie to us, Corey, about not listening to outside noise. No, they all They're all on their damn phones. Not yeah, one yeah. of you, especially because I know you're all my age or younger than me now. I'm on my phone for nine hours a day. There's no way in hell that you're not for a considerable amount of your day. And, and by the way, the coach hears all of it, too. Thanks. Oh, my God. He's as bad <laughs> as any of them. He's as yeah, bad as yeah. any of them. Anyway, here's Mike Vrabel when asked if he feels the need to address uh, the rumors about him with his team. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't. I don't because, again, if we believed everything that was on social media, you know, we'd, it'd be Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and the new tooth fairy and all that. So um, I, I really um, have never responded to any of those, and we're not going to start now. Uh, I, I, I know where we're at as, a, as an organization. I'm excited to um, – to, to build this thing and to fix this thing and and, and get it uh, to where we want it to be, to, to win championships with Rick Moran and Chad and A-Rob and a coaching staff and, and everybody. And that's that's what our goal is. So, um, but but no, the, the social media and, and where that is, I, I, I can't focus on that. So, Glennon follows up by asking him if he wants to be here. He says, of course, he wants to mm -hmm. be here. But he also does say, and it's not a throwaway line to me, Corey. Uh, as, long as, we're winning. as long as we're winning. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think like Luke, Lucas kind of pushed me off that a little bit today on the radio show. And I just don't think that where, where he knows his words are being as scrutinized as closely as they are, that I don't think you can just, I don't think you can ignore anything that he's saying right now. No. And I think, I think when you dissect, as long as we're winning, I think he, it has to be as long – I think what he's portraying there, as long as I believe in the organization being on a path to winning, right? I mean, not uh, – we want we want eight games, I'm out. I mean, if, I think if he believes they're still on the path to winning, then, then he's going to be happy. But if you don't believe in, say, the new GM, right, or if you don't believe ownership is behind you, you're going to want out, all right, at least – I would think you would want out when you know you can go get another job, which is, you know, the situation that, that he's been in. I think it oversimplifies it to say we're winning. I think there's more meaning to that statement than that. Um, so whether they win or not this weekend, you know, uh, I think I think most people can guess how it's going to go. But the NFL exists to surprise us, so we'll see. 
Um, it has the potential, uh, and speaking of surprises, it would surprise me to see Derrick Henry back next year, though I don't think it's out of the question. Um, it is in all likelihood, if if nothing else, Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry's last game at Nissan Stadium. And there are some, you know, there is some nostalgia to that. I think a lot of people are more than ready to move on from this phase of Titans football. But those two have done a lot of great work for this franchise over the course of yep. their respective careers here. So uh, w- for Derek, you know, were you at the press conference today with him? Yep. That was. And and he seemed, you know, he seemed to be engaging. He wasn't outright reflective, but he's mm-hmm. he seems more willing. And, you know, why wouldn't he? He's 30 years old today uh, as we do this on January the 4th. Um, he understands what the running back situation is like. He's openly talked about that before. He's been out there advocating for running backs, uh, if for no other reason than he's about to be in his own contract situation. Yeah. How how do you kind how did you how did you view Derrick Henry today in the way that he kind of handled a lot of these questions? Yeah, I just he was in a surprisingly good mood because um, you never know what you're going to get with him, and he's never rude. He's just you can just tell when he doesn't want to be there. Sure. Um, and you know, there's there's a big difference between the two, and you know, sometimes I get it, and sometimes I don't. That doesn't matter. I'm, I'm not him. I'm not going through whatever he's going through. But you know, he he still didn't want to reflect on my, you know my favorite run. You know, he's just like, talk to me when the season's over. He's got one more game left. Um, and I think, you know, it's Jacksonville, so it's a meaningful game for him. Um, and I think he'd like to go out on a, on a on a good note. And, you know, he's being professional. I think, I think that's one of the important, you know, because we'd all like him to talk about this stuff, but I think part of professionalism is, is focusing in on, you know, there's still a task at hand. And, you know, the, whether you want to win this game or not, Derrick Henry, you know, wants to win, you know, this football game. I think he made it obvious he'd like to be back without saying, I want to be back, blah, 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 blah. Um, and he shouldn't have to. I mean, he's done too much for this organization. You know, he shouldn't have to. I I would have to imagine he's realistic about what his market will be next year. Nobody's building around a 30-year-old running back. Nobody's going to nobody's going to build their offense around a 30-year-old running back who plays a particular style. All right, that may not be the style that most teams use nowadays. As I've said, I think he can come back and not be in a build-around mode, but in a complementary role and still help this football team at a reasonable price because he's rushed for 1000 yards behind one of the worst offensive lines we've ever seen. Uh, this was Derrick Henry speaking on that on his last game specifically earlier today. Going in the home locker room there. Um, yeah, yeah, I would just treat it as any in any other game. I'm not trying to try to get too caught up, get too overwhelmed, um, and just enjoy the moment. Um, you know, focus on fitness, season strong, going out there playing a good game overall as a team, and um, hopefully getting a win. And then after the game, um, not talking to the media and going straight home like he'd ever do anything in less than 45 minutes after a game. I don't believe yeah. him. He took over for Delaney Walker, his slowest man out of the locker room. <laughs> so, uh, you know, w- whether it is or it isn't, uh, I, it's going to be an interesting vibe. Uh, we'll obviously both be there. Um, you know, they, I guess there's going to be some contingent of people that show up just to see Derrick Henry. There's, Always that contingent, right? He is still the main mm-hmm. attraction, even if it's not quite the show that it's been over the course of the last couple of years. But like you said, he's going to his fourth Pro Bowl. 
You can try and dismiss the Pro Bowl if you want to, but whatever. It's a thousand yard season. He's top five in the league. He's 30 years old today. He's already beat the odds. It's tough to bet against the guy. The only thing that you're betting against is the shit that's around him because that's been the issue all year long. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, if you can get him to the line of scrimmage, he can do the rest. The problem is when you don't get him the line of scrimmage, you know, Tajay Spears is shifty enough to avoid some guys in the backfield. That's not Derrick Henry. Never has been. All right. Get him going. Get him a step or two. Allow him to make a play. Um, their offensive line has just been so bad that they have so many horrendous leaks that, I mean, he gets hit at the handoff. You, you talked about earlier taking us back to the beginning of the show in the transition from Wizenhunt, you know, over to where we are now. The number one thing that Mike Malarkey fixed was the offensive line. You know, they can Taylor Lewan, they brought in Ben Jones, um, they drafted Jack Conklin, and they brought in Russ Grimm. All right. Now the guard position was was iffy, but left tackle, right tackle, center was rock solid, and you had a Hall of Fame coach, and he dealt with the rest. And that's how they went from two wins to nine. That that was it. They still, I mean, they had Rashard Matthews and Delaney Walker. That was it. That was that, it. That was all they had in the passing game. People forget. Yeah. I mean, no, that's that's all they had. That was it. And they had Mariota, who, before he got hurt, whether people believe it or not, was a good player and, and could make plays with his feet and with his arm. And you had DeMarco Murray, who was still a baller for a year yeah. before he fell apart. So my point is this. When you have a good offensive line, it makes up for so much of every else, other part of your offense and your football team. And just like we're seeing with Derrick Henry, if you can put a good offensive line in front of him, he's still going to rush for a lot of yards. And if you can fix the offensive line, this team's going to go from five wins to nine like that. That's a, like, You talked about the offensive line. If they could have just been average, where would this team be? But they're not average. They're terrible. No, and it's, it, I, it's. I have nothing against any of those guys. They're just, they're not good. No, it's like Malik. You know, it almost sounds personal when you start to talk about his inability to help the football yeah. team. But at a certain yeah. point, like there is no acknowledging other yeah. than what, other than the obvious, which is, yeah. you know, a conversation you, for a different day. You can hope and you can, you can like a guy. And yeah, Malik's super athletic. I mean, there's no question. He's super athletic. Doesn't mean he's a great NFL quarterback. Well, Corey, I know you're uh, slammed today. I appreciate your I time. Uh, a quick uh, a quick reminder for people, WKRN News 2 is where you can see uh, our main man, Corey Curtis, at Corey Curtis 2 on Twitter is where you can follow him uh, for all his ins. Oh, that's right, X. Let me be specific. You're right. You're <laughs> welcome, gonna Elon. To- I'm going to fly to Mars, Elon. <laughs> Good branding. Corey Curtis, spin around in his office chair. You can get a new office chair at relaxthebank.com, which makes this podcast possible. You can also get a standing desk like I have, which makes it very ergonomic to work from home. Corey, uh, appreciate it. I will see you Sunday and uh, looking forward to sitting between you and Sam Phelan as you bet like degenerates throughout the course of each and every NFL Sunday. It's wild to me. The, the, the kind of things that you all come up with, it, it's beyond the pale. And if you watch TN Nation, I end every show with my best bets of the weekend. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully the ones that you're those are the ones that you're winning instead of whatever the hell you're chasing in the press. Last weekend wasn't good. Last weekend was not good. <laughs> Thanks, Corey.